Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. There is a bar in Bloomington, Indiana. The bar is known as Fairfax Bar and Grill. It's in Southern Monroe County. I don't know. Maybe you don't call that Bloomington. I'm going to leave that to others to tell me who know the geography just a bit better than I do. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. And, of course, Bloomington were heard on WGCL in Bloomington and thrilled about that. Well, this bar, and I've got nothing against the bar whatsoever. The bar is bothered that everybody's freaking out about Bud Light. And, of course, Bud Light making the massive, massive mistake in putting Dylan Mulvaney on one of the cans, making him a brand ambassador. Dylan Mulvaney's a man who pretends to be a woman and is engaged in misogyny. And it's really creepy. It's really ugly. I can't believe people take this guy seriously. This is an actor, in my view. And it's just very insulting towards women. It is woman face, just like there's blackface. And the owner... McKinley Minifield is not happy with all the hate. He's, he's not into it. He posts on Facebook, we're aware of the controversy surrounding Bud Light. We support all people in this establishment, no matter who you are or how you identify. We will continue to sell Anheuser-Busch products because we don't care who they make special cans for. If you are intolerant of other humans of any kind, we ask that you keep your opinions to yourself. Should you feel the need to discuss this matter in public, you'll be asked to leave. We will not tolerate intolerance here. Now, first, they are half correct. They are half accurate. We don't want to be involved in the controversy. We just want to sell beer. We want to sell beer to you. We want you to buy our beer. We want you to sit in our bar, drink the beer, maybe have a burger. I don't even know if they sell burgers. Oh, it's Bar and Grill. They sell burgers. Have a burger. I say get the fries. They're delicious. And then have another beer. Spend your money. Leave a good tip. Get out. Come back again in two days. That's what they want. And I can appreciate that. But we will not tolerate intolerance here is something else. I'm not quite sure what to do with that line. That line, erase, erase, erase. And now, since you've made this public, now the question is, what other things are you tolerant of? Maybe saying nothing was the right thing to say. Maybe you didn't have to make the commentary. Maybe you could just put up a sign, we sell beer, guys. Budweiser is a beer we sell. Thank you. And that's it. Or maybe nothing at all. I don't think they're particularly wrong. I just don't think they wrote it right. Because I don't think you have to make a statement. Just sell the beer. Or don't. It's just that easy. Were you being forced to make a statement? Because that would be a different conversation. If you were, let me know. I want to get into that. Meanwhile, Sean Spicer took some time to join the show. That interview with the former White House press secretary coming up next. This is Tony Katz today. So why does a guy leave his own TV show? What if what if having your own TV show is not all it's cracked up to be? The amount of times I'm asked, so when are you going to get a show on Fox? And I have to explain to people, I'm never, ever getting a show on Fox. That's not happening. It's not that I wouldn't talk to them about a show. It's that I'm not going to get offered one. And if I did one, I, I don't make me do what everybody else is doing. I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Not by a long shot. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Sean Spicer, former White House press secretary, former host 
at Newsmax, and now the author of the book, The Parrots Go Bananas, done with Brave Books. He uh, joins me right now as we get into this conversation about what you do, all, all of these things, uh, author and, and former press secretary, but you you left the Newsmax gig. You were like, hey, thanks, I appreciate it, but this isn't for me. How does one leave that gig? Oh, so much to break down there, Tony Katz. First of all, it's great to be with you. Always enjoy it. Um, so look, here's what it um, what it came down to. Uh, quite simply, is I had three great years uh, at Newsmax. I love doing the show. Um, I have some new opportunities. I'm going to be announcing them very soon. And most of it comes down to being able to have the freedom to do a lot more of what I want um, in, in a forum in which I want to do it, meaning that um, to be able to do it independently as opposed to through a network. Um, I love being at Newsmax, the opportunity that that they gave me. Um, and we walked away as friends. This isn't a, this was just sort of, they're, they're moving uh, forward in a direction. I had 44 minutes of television I could do. Um, I have a project that I'm working on that I'll be announcing very soon. Um, I put a video out at YouTube, uh, on my YouTube page. Sean Sp- it's Sean M. Spicer on YouTube. And people can go to my newsletter, seanspicer.com um, and sign up and I'll, I'll keep you up to date. But it, it was quite simply the op- opportunity to go do more content that I wanted to do. Um, and, and as you know, I mean, when you work for a network, it's their network, uh, their show, their timing. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I appreciate that they did for me and the opportunities that they gave me. Um, but as we talked about the next two years, um, I looked at this coming cycle and some of the opportunities that had presented to me. Um, and, you know, to be blunt, I'm going to bet on myself. Um, I love what a lot of the guests, I mean, you've been on the show, Dave Rubin's been on the show. Um, I'm just trying to think how many people have, have you know, you, you look at people out and, and what the folks at the Daily Wire have done, what have, uh, what people like Megyn Kelly and Liz Wheeler and Dana Lash. And, and I was like, you know what? I like what they're doing. And I've had conversations with all of them over the last um, uh, couple of years. And I thought I had had some conversations about what it would take uh, to do something that I wanted to do and build. Uh, and so that's that's the avenue I'm heading down. We're not ready to make the, the full announcement yet, but frankly, that's that's what I'm doing. And um, you know, as, a, as just a, a bit of inside baseball, I, I you bring up something that people rarely bring up. Uh, there's a reason I do radio and not TV as 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 you did it. Uh, you know, people are like, well, would you take the money? Sure. You always take the money. But there's a conversation about what it is you want to share to live in a world where I get to talk uh, for these three hours that I do on midday or three hours I do in the morning doing this stuff here on Rumble where the only editor in my head is me. There's yeah. no other voice. It's not that the other voice is, is rude or anything, but it, it is. I mean, that it's a remarkably freeing thing to just be able to do your own thing as opposed to, okay, here's what is expected of us thing. So, so there's two things, and you brought up both of them, which is money and, and then what you ultimately want to do in terms of your you know, and, and um, there is something about being a W-2 employee, which I was at Newsmax. Uh, there's a sense of stability. There's some benefits that go along with that in terms of, you know, uh, I didn't take health care from them because I, I get it through other means. But I mean, like life insurance and disability or whatever. Um, but 
there's something about being your own boss. Um, and, and I, from the models that I've put together and the, and the marketing team and the sponsorship, the money part is going to be, I fingers crossed, I think we're going to be just fine. And then to your point, I love the conversation. The thing about a TV show, the one that I had is it's very constraining. It's 44 minutes, it's six blocks and they're all between five and seven minutes. And so to have a conversation like you and I have is not, is not something that you can do in, in television in the setup that we had. Right. So I love, uh, I have a podcast that I've been doing for a little while called beyond the briefing. I had, um, on Mondays, I break down political matters for about 25 to 30 minutes. And I just go off for 30 minutes. I can't do that in television and I couldn't do it on video because of the contract that I had with Newsmax. I had a lot of prohibitions and that's the other thing. And again, and I don't, this isn't, like I said, we're, we're all on great terms, but when, when a network is paying you as a W2 employee or frankly, any employer, this isn't about Newsmax or, but they're saying, this is what you, what you're buying into by being an employee of ours. And so, uh, so I, I want to do certain things because I, especially going into a, a presidential year, I spent six years at the RNC, two political, two presidential cycles, obviously the Trump campaign in 2016, he's running again. And I, I'm like, I don't want to be constrained by six blocks a day um, and not necessarily the topics that I always want to be talking about, because again, it's right. a network, they're going to tell you hey, we need you to talk about these three things today or have these four guests or whatever. Again, that's their job, their prerogative because it's their their network. Um, I wanted to be able to go out and do things that I thought would be valuable. And I, I look, you talk to my wife, I scream at the television half the day or at the radio or whatever because I get so annoyed when I watch. I mean, it's like doctors watching ER or cops watching Chicago PD or something. Like, I'm like, that's just not how the system works. And so I have this desire to want to tell people, here's why Ron DeSantis hasn't announced yet, right? Here's why Donald Trump is doing what he's doing, because here's how the game is played. Here's how this works. And um, and in talking to some folks, they were like, well, we can we can give you that infrastructure and we can help you do it. And so we're putting together that that plan to roll out in the next little while. Well, we look forward uh, to hearing it and seeing it. Talking to Sean Spicer, uh, the book, by the way, the latest book, The Parrots Go Bananas, Sean Spicer and Brave Books. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But you brought up DeSantis and you brought up Trump. And, and you know, the question is, what would it take for DeSantis to dethrone uh, the, the the Donald. So you the, the question I get asked all the time is why hasn't DeSantis gotten into this race? And I answer, you know, I'm very much on the outside looking in. He doesn't have to. Well, I don't believe there's any rush for DeSantis to get in in this race at all. He can wait all the time and raise all the money outside of the real pressure of being a candidate. You agree or you disagree? Well, I think it's not even that. I, I, there's more to it. And, and it's this. Florida has a resign to run law. The resigner run law says that if he announces for president or creates a federal committee with the FEC, so he doesn't even have to announce if he creates, he has to, by Florida law, announce a date that he will resign his office as governor. Now, that would be stupid. So what's going to happen is the Florida legislature goes signing die the first week of May. So somewhere in that first week of May, probably towards the last uh, few days, they will introduce an election reform bill. And in the 4,752-page bill, 
uh, somewhere around page 3000, they will insert one line that says the chief executive of Florida shall not be uh, blah, blah, blah. According to to resign, whatever they say. Exactly. And so it'll be switched. And that will be your signal. The bat light will go on to tell everyone that he is running. But they're not going to do it until the, the, the session is over. Because why would, to your point, why would he do it prematurely? Because he wants to have these fights with Disney. He wants to talk about the world. And instead of being seen through the lens as a presidential candidate, he can be seen as a governor that's getting things done. And he can say, what are you talking about? I'm not running. I'm just getting things done for the state of Florida. So it's a smart move for that reason. Um, The second question you are asking is, why? uh, So that's why he's not. Can he announce? Sure. But it would be horribly stupid to give up the office to run um, for a million reasons. So could he? Sure. Will he? No. And he's going to. So here's the thing. Everybody who wants to know if and when he's running, if the Florida legislature goes signy die the first week of May and they don't change the law, something's going on. That's your tell. If it changed the law, there's your tell that he's getting in. If uh, so, once that happens, though, here's your answer. I don't I tell everyone all the time, it doesn't matter what national polls say. You're not running a national election. You're running a race to gather approximately 1400 delegates in the Republican uh, primary and that early states matter most. New Hampshire, Iowa, South Carolina, Nevada, all of the states, the 50 states and territories have to submit their state plans to the RNC by October 1st. And then the RNC will bless them. And that will look at the timeline and the way in which they allocate the delegates that they have been awarded. So Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, everybody will say, and in each state, you have a minimum threshold, 10%, that you need to get to even qualify for delegates. So right now, if you're Pence or Haley or whomever, and you're getting 8% in in, in Iowa or New Hampshire, you, you currently don't even qualify for any delegates. So to answer your question about DeSantis, if I were DeSantis's team and I wanted to win, I wouldn't care about anything that national polls say. The only thing I would focus on is winning one or two of those early states, New Hampshire, Iowa, because the second that you do and people believe that you can kill the king, the game changes. Everyone's going to go, whoa. If Trump wins all four of those, if he wins Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada, game over. He rolls into Super Tuesday. Every donor, grassroots activist says, I'm not risking it. Uh, like he, It looks inevitable. I'm jumping on the train, and, uh, and no one else gets anything. I, I don't disagree with that in the slightest. Speaking with Sean Spicer, former White House press secretary, formerly a host at Newsmax and the author of the Parrots Go Bananas. Uh, you can actually find that at seanspicer.com. I'm not arguing with you about if, if Trump runs the table. In your view, where does DeSantis have to be in the first two? Let's leave South Carolina out of it because you have a Nikki Haley, Tim Scott conversation that could cloud uh, the conversation there and wondering you know, how far they get through the thing. Does DeSantis have to be a number two in both of those states, or does DeSantis have to win one of them to make this push past a Super Tuesday? So uh, interestingly, I'll start backwards. In South Carolina right now, Nikki Haley's getting 19%, Tim Scott's getting 7 That doesn't bode well for either one of them right now. But to answer your, fir- your other question, if DeSantis – look, if he doesn't win one of the first two states, 
I find it hard for him to make the case for donor. I mean, look, if you you have to have donors because donors allow you to get on a plane to go to the next state and allow your staff to get paid and allow the signs and the commercials and everything. And in order for donors, donors need to feel like they're with a winner or a potential winner. And if you don't win one of those two states, I have a hard time seeing the case that you're making to them, number one. Number two, I think you might be able to make it with a strong second place showing. Now, what does that mean? Well, right now in South Carolina, Trump's up about 25, I mean, excuse me, in Iowa, about 25 points. 25 points is a blowout. If DeSantis were to get there, let's say within five, and people thought, whoa, he looks like he's within striking distance, I think you can stick, make a case to donors and you can make a case to grassroots activists and say, hey guys, keep putting up those signs, make those phone calls. Right. I'm in this and I just need your help. Let's go to New Hampshire. Um, and then he'll, he'll, you know, he, DeSantis was just in South Carolina. I can see him spending a lot more time there, the proximity to Florida. So, but if he doesn't have, he's got to show something in those first four states uh, before you get to Super Tuesday. They give people a reason, and I don't mean, you know, not just the donors, the big donors, the low donors, the grassroots activists, the grass tops activists, the influencers, you know, who are on Twitter and Rumble and Truth Social and saying, whoa, check this out, you know, DeSantis, keep going. If he doesn't do something of that nature, I, I don't, because at, at a certain point, it dries up real quick. Now let's get into a, a part two conversation, Sean, which is who else on the Republican side actually gets into this race? Mike Pompeo has bowed out. Uh, former Vice President Mike Pence hasn't jumped in yet. I assume he will. Look, I'm an Indiana guy. Uh, my main station, WIBC, is where Mike Pence got his start. We've had many a conversation. I don't see his path. I have said so on air numerous times. Um, uh, you have two contenders from South Carolina, which splits that state, which is a problem for both of them, but they both got into it knowing that that would be an issue. Who are we missing? Who is the possible spoiler out there in your view that could get in this race that would make anybody go, really? That's interesting. So right now, I don't see anybody playing that role. I know that there's a discussion about Brian Kemp potentially getting in. Brian Kemp, very popular governor in Georgia. Um, he has a reason to be a little peeved at, at President Trump. He has done a lot of great things on the economic front. He's very pro-life, signed a, a very strong pro-life bill down there, has been very strong on the economic front. Um, but again, I, I, I mean, I ask this, I mean, I think your, your analysis on Mike Pence is spot on. I mean, I'm like, what, what's your lane? Um, the, the president's lane, President Trump's lane right now, let's call it 45 to 55 percent. Again, it's and, and just remember, there's one other thing that I tell people all the time, Tony, that's so critical to understanding this. President Trump has run twice before. He has an infrastructure advantage that nobody else is even close to. He has more data on voters than anyone else combined. So he knows every single person in Iowa and how they've caucused. Right. Ron DeSantis has nothing. He starts from like a voter list that he's pulling off the shelf. Mike Pence, same thing. So they're starting, they're literally walking around Cedar Rapids and Dubuque 
and saying like, hi, my name's Mike Pence. I'm Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump's like, hey, I know your name. I know how you voted. I know where you live. I know your giving history. I know where you caucus. I know your precinct. That's a distinct advantage. And it's in New Hampshire. It's in Iowa. It's in South Carolina. It's in Nevada. It's in Indiana. Everywhere. I appreciate Sean Spicer taking the time to be with me. The interview went so long uh, that that you'll be able to catch it uh, on, on Rumble. Rumble.com slash Tony Katz. And of course, you'll find it all uh, and wherever it is you find the podcast, I'll have it all for you. But there was more to the conversation. I will share more with you. This is Tony Katz today. So today, SpaceX went for another launch of Starship, which would be the world's most powerful rocket. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Uh, This was supposed to happen Monday. It got called off. It happened today. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, sure, he did it on on April 20th. It's 420. Get it? 420? Uh, That's the international code, my people, for weed. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A bag of weed, a bag of weed. Everything is better with a bag of weed. It's the only help that you'll ever need because everything is better with a bag of weed. And uh, the, the, the takeoff today, you know, for us who are used to everything going perfect, it didn't go perfect because they, they had, there, there was a specific name for it. I'm going to share it with you because I'm going to play it for you. They had a problem with the separation. They've got this heavy rocket booster that's supposed to separate. The thing does a, a, a flip and then it, it, it separates and it didn't happen uh, basically, it had what they call a rapid unscheduled disassembly, which means it blew up. But they think this did better than they even expected it to. And what's fascinating is we 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 forget how difficult these things are. We forget what level of daring is going on, what level of trying is happening. People want to want to mock. Look at the billionaires racing for space. What about feeding the hungry? First of all, I believe in feeding the hungry. But I also believe in the race for space. I believe in what in looking for what's over the hill. What is next? We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to explore. And you don't give up exploration for this claim of, yes, well, what about the hungry? What an awful and ignorant, an altogether foolhardy thing to think. You would have no civilization if you thought that way. People must explore. And the countless jobs that that Elon Musk is creating and the countless opportunities that are gathered from the technology that they're building, goodness gracious, we're all better off. We've discussed this regarding Bill Gates. When Bill Gates, I mean, mean, he's, he's he's a jerk now. I mean, he is. He may have been a jerk then, but he was totally obsessed with Microsoft, totally obsessed with Windows, and he wouldn't shower, he wouldn't do this, he wouldn't do that. Does anybody argue that the world would be better off if he had donated his time in a soup kitchen? The world would not be better off. The world was to was able to create more means, more dollars, more opportunity because he was a selfish bastard. And through that, people have been able to give more to charity and do more to help and do all sorts of things because he revolutionized everything. I mean, these are just the facts. 
We, we oppose selfishness. The truth is selfishness is really uh, important. It, it, there's nothing really wrong with it. And when it comes to Elon Musk or Richard Branson or Jeff Bezos in the race for space, these are good things. But it's also good when you get to hear the level of excitement. We, we forget. We take some of these things for granted. None of this should be taken for granted. This is remarkable. What's happening here? This isn't NASA. This isn't some government program. This is a guy who said, I want to do this. And he gathered smart people who are like, yeah, we can do that. And they're doing it. So this was this was launch as it started uh, today when they started the countdown. We're waiting. Possibility the propulsion team may need a few minutes. Flight termination system is armed for flight. We're getting ready for T-minus one minute and counting. Next, we'll see as we get past T-minus 40 seconds for final checks of the vehicle. Okay, you can see the clock has recycled. And it was at that moment where there was a hold put on the countdown. The entire countdown was put on a hold as they started saying, you know what, we, we're, we're looking for a certain uh, pressurization and we, we don't feel that we're getting it. And they started walking through the problem. Flight director has called a hold. We are recycling. For the moment, we'll see where they move the clock back to. They could hold at T minus 40 seconds. They could go to an earlier point. Give us a minute to listen into the nets and we'll see if we can get you more information to share. For the next two minutes, everything went silent. You didn't know whether this launch was going to happen or not. Um, how would one even begin? Uh, this is like saying uh, you're watching the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter, quarterback throwing uh, to the wide receiver, uh, the the completion wins the game, and in midair, everything just stops. And you have to wait to figure out whether the ball is properly pressurized and could have been thrown to begin with. And so the waiting goes on for two minutes. You're like, wow, this is this is suspenseful stuff. John Innsbrucker again here at the Hawthorne webcast desk. We're holding a T minus 40 seconds. What we've heard so far is we have a couple of issues we're working. One is the booster tank pressurization. Uh, final pressurization was just a little bit uh, long. That's not unusual. We've held a T minus 40 seconds before to pressurize. That appears to have been resolved. At the same time on the second stage, they're working some final purging. Uh, we should know very shortly if that is cleared and if we'll continue the countdown. Everyone, especially that person, is excited <laughs> to keep going. <laughs> and after another minute or so, uh, they started getting some good news. On and Starship. folks, 
if I can interrupt. Yeah. It looks like they're clearing all the flags and we're going to release at T minus 40 seconds. That is amazing news. Amazing. <laughs> team working quickly through their issues on first and second stages. Uh, the team is resolving one issue with the bleed purge on the stage two Raptors. Um, like John just said, the teams are quickly working that, and it looks like the flags are being cleared as we speak. So we should be able to resume the launch countdown any moment now. Don't walk away, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing views here coming to us from Starbase, Texas. Uh, And that's when it was on again. And that's when the countdown started taking place. And you're like, my gosh, we actually could do this. We could put things into space. This is pretty amazing. It really is incredible stuff. And and I, I I was learning on the on the fly about how this how this works and 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 how they do this this booster separation instead of having things just, you know, crash or be destroyed, they they do this and you've seen this before where they where they actually land the thing so it can be reused. And so for this to happen with this style of 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 starship or the, the they they call it uh the massive starship rocket as it's described um it does this flip maneuver it looks really really weird because when you were watching it and you saw it flip you're like all right i don't know anything about space flight that does not look right now in this case it turns out that as it was flipping was not right. Our next major activity is going to be shutdown of the first stage. Houston tracking station now acquiring the vehicle. With shutdown, we will get separation of Starship and Super Heavy and ignition of the Starship engines. Now, after stage separation, the first stage will flip and begin a boost back maneuver for landing in the Gulf. Continuing to fly, two minutes, 40 seconds. Let's get ready for main engine cutoff. Beginning the flip for stage separation. As of right now, we are awaiting stage separation. 
where Starship should separate from the super heavy booster. Yeah, Kate, right now it looks like we saw the start of the flip, but obviously we're seeing from the ground cameras the entire Starship stack continuing to rotate. We should have had separation by now. Obviously, this is, uh, does not appear to be a nominal situation. Yeah, it does appear to be spinning, but I do want to remind everyone that everything after clearing the tower was icing on the cake. And that's when they realized it wasn't going to go any further than it did, and then it actually exploded. I mean, that, I don't know if they exploded it or, or it exploded. I don't, I don't know how that part works. What I do know is it, it's great to see emotion again. It's great to see something other than anger and other than hate and other than vitriol. And nobody was asking, yeah, all those scientists at SpaceX, um, how do they feel about the transgender movement? Yes, I wonder what their position is on guns. I, I don't care. I care that smart people got together and said, let's go try this crazy thing. And other smart people were like, that sounds awesome. And they went about doing it. I care about the fact that they're still excited to do it. That it matters. That even when you don't get the level of victory that you want, you're able to cheer the victories that you got. That's what I love. There is nothing about this story. And by the way, I there, this, this all happened in a lot longer span. I did kind of edit things uh, together. It's special. It matters that people can try things, that we're a country where you can just go about doing it. You can't do this in China. You cannot be a private citizen and say, hey, let's go to space. You want to go to space? Sure. Do you know anything about going to space? I got a degree in mathematics. Perfect, let's go to space. That doesn't happen in other places. Celebrate what this is. Celebrate it with your family. Celebrate it with your friends. People trying to achieve great things. We should celebrate people trying to achieve great things as opposed to all of those scumbags who keep trying to destroy the things that we have. Celebrate this. This is good. I, I, I hope it goes uh, even better next time. I hope they get what they want. And then, and then uh, I, I hope that people can then uh, tour space. I won't be one of those people. I, I know this about myself. My wife desperately wants to go. My wife is so in for going to space. And I have said, in the same way she's in for going to Mexico, bye. I, I, lo- I love you. I love you, kitten. But um, you, you clearly want to do something I don't want to do, and I am never going to be the guy to stop you. So go go do the thing. Um, please uh, try and come home to me. And uh, all the best. But you, you, you know the risks. You know the risks. Mexico or space, same risks. There you go. There you go. And it's weird. I'm the guy going to the southern border next week. I'm the guy going to the southern border. Still the United States, not Mexico. That's the way that one goes. Find everything, TonyCats.com. No more local stuff. Just, well, it is locals, but you don't have to say locals. TonyCats.com. TonyCats.com. You'll find it all there. This is Tony Katz today. The Supreme Court extends the hold on that abortion pill until Friday. 
That's where we're at right now. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. I think some people thought I was actually under the impression that yesterday there may have been a decision about this mifeprestone, which is one of two drugs utilized in medication abortions. Mifeprestone has been available since the year 2000, and this judge out of Texas said, you know what? The FDA didn't really go through a proper procedure in vetting that drug, so we're not going to allow it. And then another court said, what are you talking about? We're going to allow it. And then the Fifth Circuit Court looked at the entirety of what this uh, Texas judge said and said, well, you know what? We're not going to listen to this. We're not going to listen to that. But this judge said that something wasn't followed. And so therefore this this medication, if you will, shouldn't be allowed on the market. We're going to allow that to, to, to stand. To which Justice Samuel Alito, who I think covers the Fifth Circuit, said, all right, everybody just cool down. We're going to allow this drug to be out there. We're going to take a look at this. Everybody assemble their briefs, get your arguments together together, and get it to me by such and such a date. And then such and such a date came and he said, all right, you need a little more time. We'll extend the thing. So the uh, Supreme Court extended the stay in a couple of orders from Justice Alito. And that's where we're at right now. This could all have changed in the last four seconds. That there could have been some announcement from Alito or from the court. Again, I'll tell you that I think it's it's going to be seen as awkward that a judge takes a look at a medication that is 20 plus years old and says, well, you know, that was that was formulated improperly in terms of how they went through the approval process. It's clearly a way of trying to stop abortions in the United States. That's That's clearly what this is all about. And they're going to have an argument. Of course they are. What they don't understand is that the people on the political right uh, who are pro-life are like, yeah, well, we're, we're going to stop abortions. We're going to stop no matter what we have to do. We learned from the left. We're going to throw everything at it, and we're going to try and get done what we can get done. I, I think the political left, the, the, the people who are pro-abortionists, better start understanding that one. The pro-life side is serious about being pro-life. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.